This episode is brought to you by Odyssey Mushroom Elixir, and Odyssey has an exciting new offer for Courageous Wellness listeners. Listeners can now receive one free can of Odyssey by visiting IWantOdyssey.com to get the next steps on how to redeem your free can. Unlike traditional energy drinks that are loaded with sugar and artificial ingredients, Odyssey is packed with natural ingredients, including functional mushrooms like lion's mane and cordyceps. These mushrooms have been used for centuries to improve mental clarity, increase focus, and boost energy levels. Not only do these mushrooms provide natural energy, but they also have a host of other health benefits. We have done multiple episodes on the power of functional mushrooms and love that they can help support your immune system, reduce inflammation, and even improve your mood. And it tastes really good. As someone who is not drinking alcohol, I also find this to be a fun and functional alternative to bring to parties, have as a post-work drink, and is a great afternoon pick-me-up in a lot of different flavors. So to redeem your free can, visit IWantOdyssey.com and receive a free can of Odyssey mushroom elixir. All information is available in our show notes and in our link tree on Instagram. Welcome to Courageous Wellness. My name is Erica Stein. And I'm Allie French. And this is a podcast about individual journeys within wellness and how to navigate it all. After Allie experienced a cancer diagnosis in her 20s, and Erica went through a self-love journey, we created a platform to interview real people from all walks of life that have combined all types of practices. From physical wellness to emotional and spiritual, we hear courageous stories and focus on why it's important to share them. We are both certified integrative nutrition health coaches and together with our community are learning to live our most purposeful lives by sharing one courageous story at a time. It takes courage to share these journeys and by talking about them, we aim to destigmatize the process. We want you to be your own health advocate, feel educated and informed on the latest in health and wellness and empower you to feel your absolute best. And because we want to bring forth a wide variety of stories, the opinions of our guests do not necessarily reflect our own, but we hope the diverse and varied stories will empower you to make the best choices for your own life. So join us as we and our community share our courageous wellness. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Courageous Wellness. We have a wonderful conversation today with Esther Blum. Um, She's an expert in menopause and supporting people through it. Um, and before we get into her form- formal intro, Erica and I are going to do our usual weekly updates, but, um, this conversation is just like incredibly informative. And I honestly recommend whether you're a person who is in perimenopause, who has completed menopause, who is in their menstrual years, who may be, um, is someone who is a partner to someone who experiences menstruation or the, or the, you know, any, any, doesn't matter where you are in the cycle or your relationship to this cycle, but it's really informative. And, um, I think a lot of people don't talk about this stuff enough, so no. give it a listen. Um, but Erica, do you have any updates you want to like fill us in about anything going on? I do. And I'm really excited for everyone to listen to this conversation. I re-listened to it when I was editing it this week. And, 
I just, I learned so much the first time around. I learned even more the second time around. And she really, it's a really important conversation for, like you said, our listeners of all ages, but yes, I do have some updates. I have some content updates that kind of spurred some conversations in my own household with my friends. I was talking to you about it off recording, um, content wise, as I tease, and we're going to talk about it more in an upcoming intro in a couple weeks, but, um, my family has been dealing with some medical stuff. Um, I had to stay with a family member in the hospital for a few days. Everyone is fine. Everything's okay. But, um, it's kind of made me really want to crave like pop culture content, I should say, because I need my self-care right now is a lot of reality television and pop culture because it helps me decompress and relax. And so I've been watching a lot of Bravo and I've been enjoying, as I've talked about before, for sure, Vanderpump Rules. And I'm sure many people, even if you haven't watched it, kind of took over with the scandal of it all. And um, it's just, it's, it's top tier reality TV. And the other one I was watching was Summer House, also on Bravo. And great content. However, what kind of sparked something in me as I was listening to some podcasts about both shows with some of the characters or they're not characters, they're real people, some of the people on these shows. And in one of the conversations, a couple of things came up. In one of the conversations for Vanderpump Rules, she mentioned that she was, um, she had this great sound bite that they didn't end up airing because she took a hit of her vape of her e-cigarette while she was um, saying after she finished her sound bite and they can't air anything with e-cigarettes or vaping or anything like that on TV. Mm-hmm. And then in the other podcast I listened to summer house for anyone who doesn't know, it's like a show about people in their twenties to forties who go to the Hamptons on the weekends. And she mentioned, she goes, they never air me throwing up in the morning or all of us throwing up in the morning right after these nights out. And it kind of just made me think, and I know on uh, our wait, podcast- Wait, just to clarify, of because they are drinking all night? Yeah, they're drinking all night. Okay. It's like a, both of these shows have heavy drinking cultures, I should okay. say. And it's funny, as somebody who's like very into the sober, curious space, I love, I love this content. But- we are people in the sober curious space. We've done episodes on sober curiosity most recently with Kat Kozad. She talked about her decision to give up drinking um, as part of her manifestation journey. It's a great episode. Go listen. We talked to Dr. Brooke about sober nutrition in December. And even in this episode, right, Esther does, she, she enjoys a cocktail here and there, but she knows the effects of the body that drinking causes, right? So I just thought it was so interesting for two reasons. One, they can't show an e-cigarette or vaping, but they're showing booze, binge drinking, like real binge drinking, like real binge drinking. And they don't care about the consequences of that because I'm sure for a multitude of reasons, right? Um, They have alcohol advertisers on these shows, right? So it just made me think of what we're being sold all the time and like the PR and the marketing around alcohol. And then I was so disappointed to hear, I was like, why don't they show them puking the next morning? Like, I know that's not going to be good TV, but it's still realistic about alcohol, right? Mm -hmm. And I mentioned recently too, that I was reading Quit Like a Woman by Holly Whitaker. And she really talks a lot about this. And you know how in the past, um, 
I think 50% of Americans smoked and there was cigarette advertisement, right? And cigarettes were part of TV and now it's not. So it's not really, it's just made me think about, I just wonder where the marketing is going to go in the next like Mm -hmm. 10, 20 years. And I wonder if alcohol is going to be viewed the same way as cigarettes one day. I don't know, but I just thought it was really interesting in the way young people are really marketed alcohol. Mm -hmm. And absolutely. And it's so interesting. And the girl that was talking about the e-cigarette, she's sober. She's one of the only sober people on the show. She's in AA openly. Mm -hmm. And so I just was like, wow, they don't show an e-cigarette, but they're just showing binge drinking. I love the show. Nothing against that. It's just, where's the reality, right? These are reality shows, but they're showing a very, (laughs) I know. Yeah. But they're showing a very curated reality. Yes. And it just reminds me how much we do glorify drinking. And I find drinking. that really interesting. Yeah. And drinking culture. And I think you bring up a good point. And just having an awareness about marketing of all kinds is really important too. Because we get the same thing. I mean, you wouldn't you wouldn't argue that it would be like maybe with as many products that have like potentially dangerous or harmful effects, but like some in the, in the wellness space, in like, in every sort of space. I mean, it's kind of amazing, you know, what we're marketed to, um, you know, in one, in one capacity, um, that, you know, other things we have restrictions on and just to have an awareness about that, I think is really important. Um, but the drinking stuff comes up a lot and we've, we've been at conferences and different events where even like people will bring up how wine is marketed in like mommy culture, young moms. And like, we've had people share in front of us that they too are sober and like all the rosé all day stuff, like how hard that is, how hard to constantly like have that be, oh, just, you know, just unwind at the end of your hard day of parenting, you know, and how it's like very, very specific to different audiences, all this, you know, alcohol marketing. So it's good to be aware of. Um, yeah. yeah. And you, you bring up some really good points. Yeah. It was just something that I was like, huh, that's really interesting. And I, I love the shows, like love them. We'll watch them, enjoy them. But <laughs> I've never seen either of them. Oh but. my God. If you haven't seen Vanderpump Rules, Summer House, I go in and out of, like I said, I'm just in a pop culture moment, but there's no reality TV like Vanderpump Rules. And if anyone is watching it, please slide into our DMs. I want to talk about it all the time. Or Erica so- will be responding to them because I have no idea what it's about. <laughs> yeah. I you just know I it's got- about that restaurant, right? Like it's Lisa Vanderpump's restaurant. It's about restaurant. so much more than that restaurant. It's about- <laughs> <laughs> it That's my so- LA. It was just in that oh restaurant. Oh my God. It's, um, but even my husband, like he is into it. Like no way. Watch it together now. Oh my God. This Secrets. It's, secrets um, revealed. It's so it's it's really it's the best of the worst reality TV okay. out there. And I think it is, I mean, just like I think it is the realest it gets because I think it's one of the only shows where they really were friends before they started filming. So these people have like before they were points, cast. Before they were cast. Yeah. yeah. So they have real history. So the stakes are a lot higher than normal shows where like they don't know each other. They're just members of a cast and, you know, they have their real friends and their real lives outside of it. It's like, these people are very enmeshed and they all date each other. They all sleep together. They all like (laughs) screw each other over. And, um, as a Libra who loves 
drama that I'm not a part of, I get so much from them. And that's really funny. They are doing the Lord's work every week for us. And if, if you're watching, you understand. If you enjoy it, you understand. There's there's truly nothing like it. So um, I mean, the recent scandal, New York Times and CNN covered. It was such a big oh deal. My like God. it it rocked the world. So um literally it really did. And um Hilarious. it's been on for 10 years. It's been on for 10 seasons. So my my like I don't know. My escape reality TV is watching like the lost kitchen on the Magnolia network and like oh, Nate and Jeremiah home project, which I know we both love. Anyway, love we have a great episode to get to today, which is very educational. Esther's awesome. Um, so I'm really happy for everybody to listen to this. And I just wanted to say too, like one thing that I took away from this episode is especially like I'm a woman now I'm in my late thirties and I realized like my friends and I haven't talked about menopause and perimenopause, which by the way, everybody can start in your mid thirties and last for 10, 15 years. So like changes, like our bodies are continually changing and, and the kind of latter half of like the menstruating years to what can start to change. And I think it's important to be conscious of this for ourselves, but also for setting ourselves up for a more, in a more supportive way for an easier time, um, through that process. And then just to like share this with each other and share this with friends who are, we're all going to, you know, people with female biology, like we're going to go through it and, and not to, and it's not something to be scared of either. I think Esther really breaks it down in a beautiful way that like there are many things we can do to continue to support ourselves, especially through these different phases of life. So, um, yeah, absolutely. It's a great conversation. And before we get to it, I just want to remind everyone that this episode is sponsored by milk and honey. And I, I love milk and honey. You know, we love milk and honey and you can save 20% with the code CW podcast in their spas. If you live in Los Angeles, throughout Texas and Chicago, they have beautiful spas there. You can save 20% on spa services. You can also save 20% at their online boutique, which carries a wide variety of hyper clean products, including Osea Malibu, Kula Sun Care, Moon Juice, and the hyper clean milk and honey line. You can save 20% with code CW podcast. I've said save 20% like four times, but it's an amazing deal. It's amazing spa. It's amazing online. So check it out. And with that, we should get to today's episode. Allie, if you want to take us away. Let's do it. So Esther Blum is an integrative dietitian and menopause expert. In the past 27 years, she has helped thousands of women master menopause through nutrition, hormones, and self-advocacy. Known as Gwyneth Paltrow's menopause mentor and celebrated by Forbes for helping women thrive through menopause, Esther was also voted Best Nutritionist by Manhattan Magazine. She has appeared on the Today Show, ABC TV, and Good Day New York, and is frequently quoted in Goop, Well and Good, Forbes, Time Magazine, The New York Post, The Los Angeles Times, Incel, Bazaar, Self, Fitness, Marie Claire, and Cosmo. The list goes on. Esther is also a best-selling author, and her latest book, See You Later, Ovulator, delivers the great news that you can master menopause with nutrition, 
hormones, gut health, and self-advocacy. Esther reveals the practical tools she uses with her own clients to help you balance your hormones, fix your gut, and feel confident in your body again. This is a great episode for women of all ages to get to know our bodies, what to expect, and we really had a great conversation on menopause, hormones, perimenopause, and how to prepare your body even years before all of this. So we know you'll enjoy the episode. Before we get to today's episode, we want to tell you a little bit about the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. Erica and I are both certified integrative health coaches. I have advanced training in hormone health, and she has advanced training in gut health. And we offer health coaching and corporate coaching through the Courageous Wellness Collective. We continued our education and received certification through the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. IIN has taken the lead in the health coaching industry from its inception and provides a comprehensive curriculum that combines nutrition, coaching, and business. We loved the program and have had many listeners ask us about continuing their education in nutrition, health coaching, or even just advancing their personal knowledge about food and nutrition. So we are very excited to be able to offer a discount to Courageous Wellness listeners to study at IIN. The program is completely accessible virtually with lectures led by health, wellness, and medical industry experts. To receive up to $2,500 off your tuition, you can use our names, Allie French or Erica Stein, at the time of enrollment to receive the tuition discount. We have also included a link in the show notes that will take you directly to IIN to learn more about their wonderful programs. Well, welcome, Esther. We're both really looking forward to having this conversation with you today. Um, so to get us started, can you tell our listeners a little bit about you, your personal background, and how that's led you into the world of menopause? <laughs> I'm Esther Blum. I'm an integrative dietitian and menopause expert, and I'm a mom uh, of a six, almost 16-year-old boy. Uh, and a dog, a rescue pup. And um, I started out, I grew up in a family of physicians and pharmacists and nurses. And my grandfather and father were both physicians. And my grandfather was really pissed when I didn't go to medical school. I was third generation NYU. I did my master's there. But uh, my grandfather was like, what do, you do? what do you mean you're not going to be a doctor? Like, you're never going to be a success and you're never going to make money. I was like, Ugh, you are so antiquated. Just watch me because I knew I did not want to be a doctor, but I did love nutrition because it was a lot of the biochemistry and, and science minus the physics or less physics and none of the medical residency and torture for years after. So um so yeah, so I worked in hospitals the first five years of my career. I worked in the cardiology units and love, love, loved the clinical aspect, but really saw like I was making zero different zero difference in people's lives. I was just putting out fires every day, but there was no longevity. There was no early intervention and there was certainly no continuity of follow-up. So I got certified in functional medicine left the hospital, worked for a functional medicine doctor and had been building my practice all along part-time. And then after two years, uh, went full-time in practice. And so in my twenties, menopausal women were coming to me and I was like, huh, this is interesting. And the fat loss was stubborn. And that midsection muffin top that was turning into a cake top was really a problem. So I started back then 
putting people on, putting women in particular on cleanses where for a month straight, they could have unlimited protein, vegetables and fresh fruit, but I cut out all grains and all dairy and saw like women were able to lose the fat that was really haunting them and really stubborn. We played with intermittent fasting as well. That was another great way I saw women lose fat. So I was like, okay, this is doable, right? And and uh, really later on down the pike, as my practice began to get more and more hormone-centric, um, then I really delved deeper into more intricate testing to try and really look under the hood, help women get to the root cause of what was going on. But I will say this to anyone listening, if you're like, oh, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. I don't, I don't want to like get into the whole functional medicine thing. Let me just say this. The tests that I do, and I've looked at hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of these tests, more often than not, point back to the lifestyle. So when it comes to menopause management, the lens that I see things through are multifactorial. It's diet, it's supplements, it's lifting heavy weights, it's um, managing your stress, which is a huge one, okay? And hormones are another piece of the puzzle and pleasure. So it's really like a very well-rounded approach. There's no one thing that's going to be the panacea for any of your menopause care. Yeah. And so interesting. And I think our audience believes in functional medicine and is interested in (laughs) holistic nutrition and functional medicine as a way to support their overall health. And, um, you know, even I think our listeners who might be younger or menopause is maybe 10, 20, 15 years away at this point, I think, again, information, education is power. And the more we know, the more we can kind of put a pin in our brain and be like, okay, I'll, I'll come back to this. Or I have some semblance of base knowledge now, because as Ali and I were talking right before recording, actually, Ali knows um, she did do like advanced training in hormone health. So she has <laughs> knowledge in perimenopause and menopause, but I don't like, I don't know anything. So I'm really excited to learn in this conversation today. And so I guess my first question is, which might sound really silly, but just, can we break down the basics of like, what is menopause? What age range is expected for us to go through that as women? And yeah, let's go through some of the basics for people like me who don't really know anything about it. Not silly at all, because guess what? I'm 52 and women my age don't know or understand the process. So uh, menopause, the the big difference, there, there are a few differences, but the big difference between menopause and perimenopause is the timeline. What really makes you officially in perimenopause is going 12 consecutive months without a period. So if you have gone six months and then you get a flash period all of a sudden out of nowhere, then you need to restart the clock um, and, and recount as to when you go into menopause. Now, perimenopause can start, I've had clients in my practice go through it at age 29. And I have had women go through it, you know, the majority go through between like age 45 and 55. And you can be in perimenopause a good 10 years. But just because you're in your 30s doesn't mean that you can't be in perimenopause or, you know, for some women, it goes longer than 10 years. 
but it, or they have kids and their bodies just never really bounce back hormonally. So um, what you may start to notice, here are some of the signs and symptoms. Number one, if you notice like, yeah, you used to get like a day or two of PMS and all of a sudden that window is getting longer and longer, you know, and you're like, wow, 10 days out, I'm feeling crappy or 14 days out, which means like the first half of your cycle, right? You're getting your period for a week, you feel really good for a week. And then the last two weeks you're like, I am having brain fog. I'm exhausted. I'm getting the dropsies. I'm irritable, having breast tenderness. Some of you are having vaginal dryness. Um, anxiety and depression, you know, those are signs. And as those intensify and the moodiness and the irritability intensifies, that's a really good sign. Your progesterone's really starting to drop, especially if your periods get heavier, more intense, like crime scene situations, heavy gushing bleeding or clots um, in your bleeds. Then also that's a sign like, wow, I'm, I'm kind of getting to a more estrogen dominant state here. And all of those symptoms can happen. There are even more, but the, those are primarily the ones I see. Insomnia is another one, like, you know, weeks or days before your period. That's another good indicator your progesterone's dropping. Thank so you. Is that, I was just going to clarify. So is that what you just described? That's the perimenopause. And that is from, again, you said 45 to 55. And then what makes menopause then? Like what is actual menopause? Yeah. Well, so again, it's more of the timeline. Um, and also I should add hot flashes can come into the picture. And so really what makes it menopausal is your ovarian production of hormones is the party's done. We're wound down. We've kicked everyone out, all the drunk guys out and, you know, and, and now we switch over our hormonal production to our adrenals from our ovaries. When I learned this, I was like, what? Like mother nature is one wacky scientist, but that is really what menopause is. And here's the upside ladies. Okay. You can actually feel better in menopause than you have in a long time. And because your hormones are level, right? You're not getting these monthly fluctuations. You're not caught with your pants down, you know, with surprise periods. You can get your libido back. You can get your energy back. You can sleep through the night. You can put hot flashes into remission. So just know as bumpy a ride as this can feel, it's one of the reasons why I wrote C Ovulator to teach women how to smooth out and minimize the bumps because we're all going to have them. Our bodies are changing, but um, you you can really get through it and feel fantastic on the other side. Yeah, that's actually like a really hopeful message. Well, first of all, I just want to say thank you for breaking that down because I do think that a lot of people, even just talking to, as I mentioned to you, other friends of mine who might be in um, sort of the perimenopausal stage already, um, aren't fully aware of what's going on or that it's that's why they're feeling a certain way. There's sometimes not a connection made um, because I think culturally it's always like been labeled as this dreaded time. Yeah. And so I think your message that um, people can actually feel better on the on the other side of some of the hormonal fluctuations is actually really hopeful. And we don't hear that a lot. We, you know, you hear like, oh, menopause, hot flashes, menopause, yeah. low libido, menopause, you know, um, you know, you, you hear all the kind of the negative, 
negative parts of it. So I'm curious, how how do we start? I think maybe that maybe especially for this audience, could we start talking about prior to men- perimenopause and then in perimenopause, how we can really set ourselves up to um, to kind of have the most pleasant experience possible through this hormonal change. Yeah, totally. So you want to start with diet. Um, you don't have to wait until you're in perimenopause to all of a sudden start following this diet, by the way. Um, this is a real impactful diet. I, I call them my meno laws for fat loss, but really you can incorporate them early on and you should. And again, if you don't dial in your diet, like you cannot out supplement or out hormone your diet ever. So diet has to be foundational. Okay. So first and foremost, you want to optimize your protein intake. And people say, well, how do I know how much is too much? I'm going to keep it so incredibly simple and tell you. I've done the math. I've looked at, again, hundreds, if not thousands of patients by now with their doing their macros. The average woman needs four to six ounces of protein per meal. You need to get a minimum of 30 grams a meal. That is four ounces of protein. That is to optimize your intake of an essential amino acid called leucine, okay? The, the volume of leucine you get in four ounces ensures, and this amount needs to be consistent at breakfast, lunch, and dinner, at least four to six ounces of breakfast, lunch, and dinner. This ensures that not only will you prevent sarcopenia, which is age-related muscle loss, but you'll also be in a position to be anabolic and building healthy muscle. So on average, four to six ounces in a meal. And if you're hungry in between, again, you can add in another two to four ounces of protein a day. So minimum 100 grams a day. I love when people get 120, 150. That's when I really see the fat loss happening. That's when I see the best cognitive function, the best energy throughout the day, the best adrenal function, blood sugar balance, less cravings. Um, so all of those are imperative and a lot of people don't realize like in perimenopause and menopause, just like in the PMS phase, right? There's that couple days when your PMS, when like your appetites really, you're like, oh my God, I'm starving. Double up on protein before your period. You will feel unstoppable and so much better. And the same is, you know, in perimenopause, like when I really want to roast my clients, I'll, I'll, I'll tease that when someone first starts working with me, I'm like, congratulations, you have the protein intake of my dialysis patients from the hospital. And they're like, oh my God. I'm like, this is so low. And the requirements that, you know, the Dietetic Association puts out, I'm like, you are killing people and going to make them very prone to osteoporosis. So really make sure you're optimizing protein. Uh, You want to make sure at this point in life, And the second half of your cycle, it's very interesting to me, like philosophically, just a little sidebar, the second half of your cycle is the closest you're going to get to mimicking perimenopause as a young person. It just really, it's very, very similar. So if you're in the second half of your cycle or perimenopause, make sure especially that your protein intake outweighs your carb intake. So if you're getting, you know, a hundred to 120 grams of protein, your carbs can be around 100. If you're, if, if you're very lean, metabolically fit, 
uh, you're not struggling with body fat issues, then you've got a lot more flexibility metabolically with carbs. But let's say you've got that menopot and you notice you're, you know, a little more insulin resistant. You're not losing weight as easily as you did in your twenties and thirties. Then you want to start really tightening up the carbs and having them from whole food sources, beans and legumes, sweet potatoes, white potatoes, quinoa, butternut, winter squash, veggies, and fruits. Those are all like super nutrient dense carbs. Um, and then the third law is to have your carbs at dinner. And most people are like, oh, I can't, that is blasphemy. I can only have carbs in the morning. I need to burn them off all day. At this point in life, you really need your sleep and sleep takes a massive hit in uh, perimenopause and menopause with the decline in progesterone. So overriding that, getting a cup of good quality starch, it's still only 40 grams of carbs. It's not a lot, um, but you know uh, that will bump up your dopamine and serotonin and tamp down your cortisol. So it, even if you think, oh, it's going to make me fat, trust me, not sleeping will make you far more fat and insulin resistant than having some carbs at dinner and sleeping through the night. Well, it's so interesting because Ali and I, you know, we're really big proponents of like blood sugar balance and, and it's so like so much, so much is so similar, right. In the sense of like focusing on whole foods, focusing on your protein intake. And, and yeah, I think that concept of sleep, you know, when people maybe, you know, have goals that they want to hit, I think a lot of times people really focus on the food on their plate, but then they don't always focus on the other things like stress and sleep. And, um, they're just as important. I can't tell you how many clients we've worked with on our own who, you know, the stress and the sleep is, is like number one sometimes because yeah, it can make a really big difference. And just for myself, it's funny that you mentioned that the second half of our cycle now, if we are menstruating is the most, um, similar to that perimenopause. Mm -hmm. I, I went off birth control a couple years ago and when I was starting to regulate my cycles, my PMS was not so fun. <laughs> it wasn't fun at all. And I am not a big protein eater myself, or I wasn't, you know, like I just have never, I just animal protein has never been my favorite food to eat. I just don't enjoy protein. And, you know, to make a long story short, to go off on a tangent, um, my cycles have been pretty normal through the last couple of years and, and all of that. But at the end of last year, my mental health started dipping. There was just a lot of stress in my life and just a lot of things going on. And I got really sick at the beginning of January and it kind of forced me to be like, okay, let's, and I had had really bad PMS the last couple of months of the year. And so to make a long story short, and I think I've shared this in an intro to a podcast earlier in the year, I really started focusing on protein, like really focusing on protein and eating for the phase of my cycle I was in. And I am a different person. Like, I can't tell you what a different person I am. I can't tell you my, my, wow. I have no PMS, like at all. It's crazy. And Allie is smiling because she'd been telling me about this for like two years. She's like, you got to get your protein <laughs> up and you got like, she was like, you got to do all this stuff. But the power of protein is, um, yeah, I just like, I'm, I'm living it right now. And then yeah, making those, those 
kind of food changes and stress changes and all of it, like that whole holistic approach has really served me. But as you mentioned, like I read that if you're going to focus even on one phase of your cycle, that luteal phase, that phase right before you menstruate is the most important because it sets you up for menstruation. And so, um, that's interesting that you say it. So it's the most similar to what we can expect to experience because I was having like the lowest of low dips in my luteal phase and it was dark. And I even see on TikTok sometimes like people joke, they're like, Oh, like you literally think you need to check yourself into a mental institution and then you get your period. Right. And so it's like that luteal phase or that if that's what perimenopause is like, at least for me, I'm like, damn, like I want to get this in check now so that 10 years from now, I'm not like playing catch up with myself or trying to change. I feel like it just gets even being 34 is so different than when I was 25 and 27 and 28, the way I move, the way I eat all of that really it has to grow and change with you. So yeah. yeah, I'm just seeing it myself with the protein, especially as somebody who has been vegetarian, has never really enjoyed animal protein. It's it's like making that effort to have it with every single meal um, is, is so crucial. Yeah. Bravo. Yeah. Truly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and I just want to touch on to that stress and sleep component, right? Because I think we focus a lot, you know, on, on the plate as we, as you know, cause it's something we can control, but what about for people who like, can we talk a little bit about the stress and the sleep component as a way to help manage mm-hmm. all of these symptoms? Yeah. So one of the coolest things I did was, um, so I was really sick about a, a couple of years ago for a long time. I'd been sick a long time, but I started working with a doctor, Tom Moorcroft, actually big shout out. Um, a couple of years ago, probably a year and a half ago, maybe a little more. And he was like, you know, he had, he had a, a class he was teaching. So he's like, you know, I didn't heal my Lyme through antibiotics and herbs. I actually healed it through meditation. And I was like, go on. And so he enrolled me in his, I, I enrolled myself, um, in his meditation course. And I have not stopped meditating. It's been almost two years. So I must have been with Tom almost two years now, but either way, you know, and he had a whole, um, outlook like Joe Dispenza, like, you know, you have to envision your body as if all of this illness and gunk is behind you and your body has to be in a fully realized healed state. And eight months later, and I had lost the ability to lift weights. I had no cortisol curve. I was like scraping the bottom. I was like under the markers of what a a normal cortisol could be. I didn't even make it anywhere in the curve. And so eight months later, I was lifting weights and had a curve again. So, you know, the power of meditation dials into your sleep, dials into stress management. And it, it takes a good six to eight weeks to really reshape the amygdala, the fight or flight center of the brain. And so you may not see anything in the beginning. You may think I suck at meditating. I can't do it. If you have ever like zoned out in the shower and gotten really good ideas or while you're driving, right? You ever get in the car and then all of a sudden you're at your destination and you have no recollection of the trip, right? That is your brain's kind of in an alpha wave state, um, which I love. I get early, early in the morning, like before I wake up, my brain is in that state and I just wake up and write everything down that I'm thinking. So 
Um, in these in these healing states, though, your cortisol goes down within ten minutes of meditating. Um, your nervous system, you know, the fight or flight calms down. You go into a much more relaxed sleep. I sleep better now than I have probably in the last seven to ten years. Um, and it's just the continual mindfulness of returning to your breath. That's all you have to do is return to your breath. I still follow guided meditation. So that to me cannot be discounted is like not turning to booze, but like turning to journaling, turning to meditation. Don't get me wrong. I still have a cocktail, you know, every couple of months, but like for the most part, it's all in the brain, it's in the heart and it's really allowing yourself to like process feelings, process stress, becoming responsive versus reacting, you know, all of those things do have an impact because sleep, um, pardon me, hormones are driven from the top down. So if you're in a fight or flight state all the time, you are going to bottom out your progesterone prematurely, right? You, so you will have an uptick in anxiety, uh, you could be more estrogen dominant at that point. So you can have an uptick in depression. And so, and also you will not make your hydrochloric acid. Your body doesn't make stomach acid in a fight or flight state. So you've got to relax before your meals, take a couple of deep breaths, just practice my gratitude that you even have food on the table, a roof over your head. You know, it's the basics that people like to skip the steps, but there's no way around it. You do have to go through it. We want to take a quick break from this episode to tell you about today's sponsor, Milk and Honey. Milk and Honey is a female founded and funded brand that began as a luxury day spa in Austin, Texas, and has since grown to include eight locations across Texas and Los Angeles, California, as well as a line of bath, body, and skincare products born from the spa. One of Milk and Honey's best-selling products is the natural deodorant, which is loved by Zoe Kravitz and was featured in her Vogue's Beauty Secrets video. I've been using the baking soda free version exclusively for over two, three years. This gentle aluminum free baking soda free deodorant was designed to nourish sensitive skin while keeping you feeling and smelling fresh all day long. It never gave me any itchy red bumps when I switched over and passed the smell test, even after an intense workout. It truly is the best and comes in two scents, lavender tea tree and lemon vanilla. In addition to clean deodorant, their online boutique also offers clean beauty products from top brands, including Osea Malibu, Virtue, Moon Juice, Kula Sun Care, Supergoop, and more. Some favorite products of mine other than the deodorant include Milk and Honey's Gel Cleanser, Supergoop Glow Screen and SPF 40, which I now buy on their site, and Osea's Body Oil and Vegas Nerve Oil, which activates the body's relaxation response and helps regulate stress. Their spas are also lovely, and we are both big fans of their spa treatments. And we now offer discounts at both the online boutique and spa locations on all spa and med spa treatments. We are also thrilled to partner with Milk and Honey to offer a courageous wellness spa package called the Courageous Wellness Retreat 
at a discounted rate. The Courageous Wellness Retreat combines a 60-minute milk and honey signature massage, which is a Swedish massage tailored to your needs, focusing on relaxation and stress relief combined with body brushing, an exfoliating and detoxifying treatment that uses a natural bristle brush that you get to take home to stimulate your lymph and circulation while also reviving dull skin. Courageous Wellness listeners can enjoy 20% off your next order at milkandhoney.com and 20% off your first spa service at any Milk and Honey location with code CWPODCAST. Visit milkandhoneyspa.com to find a location near you. And if you want to try the Courageous Wellness Spa package offered at a special rate, use the code Courageous Wellness Retreat to redeem. This is not able to be combined with any other discount or promotion. You can also find all the information in our show notes. We are so excited to offer our listeners a new discount to one of the best probiotic supplements on the market, Seed. If you are a regular listener of the podcast, then you know that Ali and I are both very serious when it comes to the importance of gut health and building a thriving microbiome. I personally have been using Seed for close to a year now and have noticed a big difference in my digestion and bloating. I am devoted to taking seed every single morning before food, and I'm really excited to share their daily symbiotic with our audience. The formulation of the daily symbiotic combines a probiotic and prebiotic is vegan and gluten-free and includes 24 clinically studied naturally occurring strains, not found in yogurt or fermented foods and beverages, and lives up to the highest standards for human and planetary health. Yes. And in addition to being a really reliable probiotic and prebiotic supplement, Seed is committed to creating science-based education for all those that partner with them through accountable advertising at Seed University. This is where we are all committed to not spreading misinformation about health on the internet. Pretty important, right? Also, I personally love their commitment to sustainability with a refill system and all recyclable or biodegradable packaging materials. Erica and I only advertise products that we use and feel are of benefit to us and by extension could be of value to our community as well. If you would like to order Seed Daily Symbiotics to incorporate into your own gut health routine, go to seed.com and use the code COURAGEOUS15 at checkout for 15% off or click on the link in our show notes. Thank you. Yeah, I think that's really important. And Erica and I talk about that a lot too, is the idea of, you know, having, whether it's a meditation practice or some sort of time to connect to yourself, because there's always going to be stressors that we can't control, like external stressors. So the ability to allow your body to go into the parasympathetic um, is is so deeply connected to so many of the functions in the body. Um, I have a question. If anybody... You know, I feel like it's more common to hear about people going into perimenopause earlier. Um, and I, I've come across that as well. Um, I'm talking like in the thirties and also it's more and more common for people to kind of wait if they want to have a, you know, an experience where they do have children, um, biologically it's more and more common to wait, to be a little bit older to conceive than 
historically. <laughs> um, so if someone, you know, and, you know, especially knowing many women in their thirties and they're late, even pushing late thirties, getting tests, um, for egg counts and going through this like sort of fertility zone, going into this fertility zone to see if it's, you know, a possibility, but also coming up against perhaps earlier perimenopause or earlier perimenopausal symptoms. Mm -hmm. If those two things are overlapping for any listeners, um, is it, I guess my question is, is it sort of like, once you're in that zone, it's sort of hard to, to holistically kind of go back, um, and create more balance, obviously create more balance moving forward, but I'm trying to articulate this. Well, I think I know what you're trying. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yes. Well, so first of all, don't confuse low progesterone with low fertility. Low progesterone, A, think of how many women are on the pill or IUDs. Um, the pill in particular suppresses progesterone because it wants to offset ovulation. So it, it, low, it inhibits a, a really robust progesterone curve for your monthly cycle so that you're not uh, ovulating. Okay. So <laughs> that alone could be falsely, uh, giving those numbers out. Uh, number one, number two, also look at stress and trauma. Those can absolutely lower your progesterone. So you can absolutely, you know, get your progesterone up with, you know, if you're regularly cycling and younger chase tree can, can work wonders, or adding in progesterone the second half of your cycle when you're a bit older can also work wonders. Some women do it orally, some with creams. Um, when you get to be menopausal, you know, you could take it orally or with a, a trochee, and you can usually take it month round. Um, but you know, the other thing is you really AMH, there's some really cool new research out that shows that AMH alone is not indicative of your fertility we may not have, right. You, you want to interject? Thank you. No, I think you just said what I, that was the question that ultimately, so thank you. Continue. That's you're hitting the nail on the head. Okay. Perfect. So, you know, that also, you don't ladies like don't give up on yourself just because a doctor says, you know, uh, you can't get pregnant. You're not fertile. We've heard a thousand times what happens when women relax and they're like, all right, I give up. I'm going to hire a surrogate or I'm just going to, you know, I'm just going to adopt. Right. That's when they get pregnant because their, their stress levels, they're like, I'm free. I don't have to force something that may not happen on its own. And then bam, they get pregnant or they adopt and get pregnant naturally. Right. Often think about it. It's the stress. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. It doesn't mean, and also like you can really heal your eggs um, and your fertility with um, a good quality, uh, an egg quality diet. I have to give a shout out to my girl, Amy Ropp, who is an incredible expert on fertility. Um, and she, you know, always talks about, we've done Instagram lives together where we talk about like, high fat diets from fish eggs and red meat and liver and egg yolks and butter and organ meats, you know, and really, uh, and, and cold water fatty fish 
and nuts and seeds and olive oil and avocados, you know, just nourishing our our body with healing primal foods that are nutrient dense is also really, really key. I mean, just going organic, right? Reducing your pesticide loads. Maybe you switch to like natural laundry detergent and makeup. You get glass topwares instead of plastic. You heat your food in an oven versus a microwave. You know, all these little things can add up. Yoga, acupuncture, right? Again, all of these help stress management, um, lifting weights for muscle mass. You know, there's so many lifestyle things you can do to improve fertility. And then of course, we have to also treat our men, you know, with zinc, like we're all very zinc deficient. We need zinc for sperm motility. We, men need CoQ10 um, and they need to eat real quality food. Testosterone levels now, you know, 20 year olds have a testosterone level of a 70 year old with all the stress and anxiety and crap food and just junk, not enough movement, you know, too much body fat. So again, we've got to treat our men too. It's not just all on us. Yeah. Those are such great points. Thank you for sharing that. It's so encouraging. And I have, I have friends who are those kids, like either they were adopted and then their sibling was naturally conceived or, you know, they have a sibling who was adopted and they were naturally conceived, right? Like it, it's amazing. You know, what, what happens for people who were told, like you will never, I have so many of those, um, those people in my life who are those like living, Oops. living proof. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, um, yeah, I think if any doctor is telling you anything like that, it's just go find another doctor, like no way. Um, so thank you for sharing that. And, and I think too, I just, you know, for anyone who might be in perimenopause or going through menopause, the, you know, the emotional toll, I'm sure it can also like all of this that we're talking about. I feel like being a woman is such an emotional experience, right? Like what we feel, um, through so many phases of our life, but I imagine, right. There's a lot of emotions that come up, um, when you're going through this and maybe I'm sure the diet plays such a big part. I mean, I know, I know it plays a big part in our mental health and the way we're able to take on challenges and tasks, but, um, can you talk a little bit about like how you also are able to work with women through that kind of emotional realization yeah. of like, I'm in menopause now, this is it. Yeah. Well, first of all, we all need to feel very seen and heard. So it's so funny. I'm wearing, I swear, I'm not taking my top off. My shirt says gaslight free zone, which is like on the back of my book as well. The, um, the illustrator, Nora made, made this t-shirt for me. Uh, when I was promoting the book. And so, you know, when you are feeling like crap and we know women are so intuitive about our bodies, there's not a woman who comes to me who says, I think it, like, I know my hormones are off. She's always freaking right. We know our, or I literally have had clients say, I think my cortisol is like really off. They're always right. Right. So uh, having a doctor dismiss you and gaslight you and say, it's not your hormones, or, you know, you should really go on the pill or the IUD or, well, that's just menopause. And you're like, what the hell am I supposed to do with this? Like not helpful. Or I've had doctors, uh, clients of mine tell me these stories where doctors they'll say, I, th- I think I want it. Like, shouldn't I be going on hormones? Can we talk about this? And the doctor's like, if you talk, they hold up their hand. If you talk about hormones, like, I'm not going to have this conversation with you. You can leave now. Like, 
what are we supposed to do with that? We don't, we, medical schools, only 59% even have menopause care on the curriculum. And it's not mandatory that it's taught. It's taught very short periods of time, if at all. And over half of graduating medical students say, they're, who are under the age of 50, by the way, say, yeah, I'm not comfortable even prescribing hormones for women, okay? So the drug route is the route they know. It's simple. It's a Band-Aid solution, which can actually make symptoms worse. So why? that's why I wrote See You Later, Ovulator, because I have a section in there on how to advocate for yourself in the doctor's office, which first and foremost, like one of the top, I'm going to make a reel on this because one of the top questions I get in my inbox is, what do I do if my doctor won't prescribe me hormones? I'm like, find a new doctor. You can go to ifm.org. It's the Institute for Functional Medicine.org. You can find doctors there who are hormone experts. You can also go to menopause.org. This is the North American Menopause Society. Uh, and they have a list of menopause trained physicians as well. And call the office and say, do you give bioidentical hormones that are not pellets? That's a whole nother discussion. But do you give bioidentical hormones that are not pellets? Great. How do you test? How do you follow up? A good menopause doctor should be checking your hormones three to four times a year if you start hormone replacement, okay? Um, so yes, it's the emotional state is rough. I will say from a diet perspective, we've talked about hormones and carbs, but I would be remiss if I did not mention alcohol and caffeine. So ladies, here is the hard, awful news about menopause is, I'm, I'm saying that tongue in cheek, but for every cocktail you drink, your circulating alcohol levels remain elevated for four to six hours after. Why is this? Because when you have a cocktail, your liver all of a sudden is like, hey, I can either detox the poison in my system or I can focus on estrogen detox. Yeah, I'm going to go with the poison first. And it, it liver it has cycles like a washing machine. It has phases where it's got to take in the toxins and fat soluble toxins, convert it to water soluble, water soluble toxins and get it out of your liver. So that is problem one is alcohol is not metabolized well. It's very disruptive to your sleep. It helps you store your food as fat and can make you super irritable the next day. So that's something that examine your relationship with it. If you're drinking every night, be like, you know what, maybe I should just stick to like a glass a weekend or a glass a month, or maybe I'll put myself on a 30 day challenge and see of, of being dry and say, I say, Hey, I'm kind of sober curious for a month. What's going to happen? Will my sleep improve? Will I have more energy? Will my waistline get smaller? Um, will I be happier mood and, and clear headed? So allow yourself the bandwidth for possibility. And same with caffeine, you know, we don't clear caffeine as well as we used to. And if someone's really not sleeping, I really look hard at their caffeine habit and say, why don't you try getting on like a mud water or a, you know, four sigmatic uh, cordyceps with cacao, you know, any of these kind of adaptogenic drinks that can still give you the energy, but none of the jitters and not mess with your sleep. So I feel like those need to be addressed as well. 
Yeah. Thank you. And I think this is an audience that can hear that Erica and I have both. Well, we did an episode a little, a little uh, ways back about being sober curious and, um, and also have shared our own journeys with that a little bit. And it's, it's really fascinating actually what happens when, even if you were just like an occasional social drinker, but when you give it up, what you can observe about yourself yeah. speaking, speaking as someone who's, who's done that this year. Um, and so, yes. yeah. And so and the reality is when it comes to attending parties, you just have to have a drink in your hand to feel comfortable. That's kind of the consensus. It doesn't matter. People don't actually pay that much attention, whether you're drinking or not. So you can just go bring yourself some seltzers. I love, um, there's a product called Rock Grace, which is rose water with ashwagandha, no sugar, no calories, comes, it looks like rosé, comes in a wine bottle. Mm. It's gorgeous. Um, so find your, find your mocktails, find your, you know, whatever's just going to be a beautiful glass in your hand. And as hard as it can feel, because believe me, I'm always in a cocktail state of mind, but as hard as it can feel to not have that booze, I'm telling you, you have to pause and think, how am I going to feel the next morning? This is yeah. like a little challenging for 10 minutes till it passes, but how am I going to feel like what's on the back end? I'm going to get up at 630. I'm going to work out versus like, or I can have that cocktail and have to take a nap and feel really sluggish and hungover. Yeah. That whenever I miss that, like that like buzzy feeling when you're, when you're the one not drinking, I'm like, Oh, but tomorrow you're going to wake up and it's going to feel so good. Um, I do have one more question and we've kind of, I know we've talked about so many different things in this episode, but you know, and, and I think something that Ali and I really talk about too, and we've done episodes on this as well with like healthy at every size and, you know, like our bodies change as you know, like we're not supposed to have the same body our entire life, right? Our bodies change for a wide variety of different reasons. And I am curious because there is something to when you are in your thirties and I imagine your forties, it can be hard. Like you said, like maybe more stubborn weight can pop up and we can, you know, embrace and accept that, okay, this is, this is a new body. This is a new phase of life. Or we can be like, huh, like this is new and I want to explore why maybe things I've done in the past are not working to release or, you know, feel my best. So I'm curious, like, what if somebody is kind of in their 30s or 40s now and they have maybe some goals where they're not necessarily feeling their best and they would like to make some changes, but, you know, exercise and, you know, limiting, you know, changing the way they eat isn't really working, you know, what would you suggest um, people do? This is the most liberating part of menopause ladies. Okay. So like in my twenties, you know, I trained for a marathon that I ran when I was 30 and I was, you know, an hour and a half lifting at the gym and oh my God, it was exhausting to do those workouts, right? I was so tired all the time. And yes, I was leaner, but like I was killing myself to be that way and starving myself. The beauty about aging is uh, you actually can work smarter and not harder. And a lot of women come to me saying, holy cow, I put on 10 pounds with my menopot here. What's going on? I've started getting on the Peloton and doing like, 
doing these really hardcore classes in the morning and I'm just so exhausted. I'm in tears by 3 p.m. and I got to grab my Starbucks to get through and it becomes this like vicious cycle, okay? And they're also cutting calories at the same time. So you can actually revamp your exercise routine at this point in time and you're gonna need to because I see often, I do see, I would say 10 to 15% of my practice, women have very normal, healthy cortisol curves. The rest, it's either like sky high off the charts. That's probably, uh, you know, two thirds. And the other third is like that rock bottom cortisol where there is no gas in the tank. In either scenario, if your cortisol is too high or too low, you're going to really struggle to lose weight. And if your cortisol is high and you're working out too hard, it's going to be high all night preventing your sleep which leads to insulin resistance and just fatigue and irritability. And if your cortisol is too low, you're not going to have the energy and the oomph to have a strong enough workout to really lose that body fat anyway. So what do we do in these cases? Rethink. If something's not working for you, it doesn't mean you're doing it wrong. It just means it's not a fit for you anymore. And so if you ask me to run a marathon now, I would say no amount of money in the world would even, physically, I couldn't even do it. Like, I just don't even have that in me anymore. But what I do have in me and what all of us do is to walk. Walking eight to 10,000 steps a day, 15,000 if you can swing it, is going to really regulate your cortisol. It's gonna bring it down if it's high. And if it's low, it's just supportive workouts. If you go outside first thing in the morning and work out and, and walk outside, you're getting the light in your retinas that with a spectrum that's 200 times greater than any bulb indoors. So you're regulating your brain's sleep-wake cycles very organically. It's very fat burning. It's conversational and um, really, really heart healthy, anti-cancer. Like there's so many benefits. And then the other thing is um, you need to pick up weights, but only there is only two times a week for menopausal mamas, which I'm like, woohoo, because I always enjoy how I feel after lifting weights, but oh my God, I don't enjoy weight workouts. They're hard. They're tiring. I got to really think about it. I got to be like in my energy, but I'm always so relieved after I do it. And so 20 to 30 minutes, two times a week is all you need to do to build lean muscle. Why, why Why? do you go down? Because you do need longer recovery time between um, lifting weights. You know, I'm just sore for more days uh, at age 52 than I was in my 30s. So um, it, it just takes more time for your body to recover. So it's really, it's a lot easier to actually stay fit. And if you really, you know, optimize your diet, you're going to see the pounds come off. I mean, People really do lose weight when they get their steps in. Thank you for sharing that. And um, as we wrap up, we ask our guests three wrap-up questions. And you've sort of sprinkled some of this um, throughout this episode, but I'm curious, what does your daily self-care look like? And do you have any non-negotiable practices in your day? Mm. Yeah. I mean, my non-negotiable is walking my dog for an hour in the morning and he's getting up in years. And like, so as he gets more arthritic and wants to walk, 
less. I'm actually not, I mean, I'm sad for him, but I'm happy for me because I can get in so many more steps on my own without him now. I, I joke, I'm like, I'm the one dog owner who gets less steps in. But yeah, so being outside for an hour, if I get all my steps in or not, if I don't get my morning steps in, then you know, I'll take him for a nice walk in the afternoon or a midday walk and make sure I get my steps. Um, I drink Four Sigmatic. Uh, I drink, it's called Perform. It's a cordyceps and cacao drink. Uh, and I eat, you know, a lot of protein at every meal, breakfast, lunch, and there, I just had like tons of chicken and broccoli for lunch. I, my breakfast was a big protein smoothie with two scoops of protein powder. And tonight we'll go out to dinner, probably get some spatchcock chicken. Um, and then meditation is my nightly ritual. It has been for close to two years now. I'll be really excited when I hit that two-year mark. That'll feel really good. Um, but also, you know, most importantly is like, really, I've taken a lot, as busy as my days are, as I scale my business, at night, I give myself permission to like, my phone goes quiet. Some nights I will literally just lie in bed for like two hours with my dog and just sit and think or sit with a notepad. I can journal, I can write things down, talk to phone, uh, talk on the phone with a friend. Like I'm just quiet at night. So that's also a real gift. That's kind of my non-negotiables. I'm like not working on weekends. I've worked very hard after writing my book. I was like, we are officially done with this. I'm not working weekends anymore. I love it. it. Cannot do it. So, and, and vacations too. I'm like, if I don't have a vacation planned, I am miserable. I really have to have them now. It's really important for my mental health. And telling my team, I'm like, people, just as you get block time when you are away, I'm taking my own block time. And this is ballsy of me because I'm doing it literally the week before I launch a group coaching program. And I'm like, nope, I'm going to get my content done before and bye-bye everybody. Yes. <laughs> yes. On a surfboard or on a beach and I'm out. I'm out. Yes. Those are important boundaries and those are great um, self-care practices. So thank you so much for sharing. And the next question we always ask is, what does being courageous mean to you? Oh, this is the other really big gift of menopause. So um, losing your filter and really calling it out, speaking things that don't feel right to you right at the time that they don't feel right to you. So like how many years, how many times you know, I'm, I'm a professional people pleaser by training. Like I just modeled after my mother. Right. And you get to a point where in the forties and especially the fifties, where like, as estrogen goes down, your filter just lowers and you're like, I'm just saying my mind now, if something bothers me, if it's not okay, I make really sure to address it. And this becomes so important, whether you're managing relationships children, a business, like you have to be so clear if things aren't right. You know, sleep is always my barometer. If my sleep is off and my brain's trying to solve a puzzle at night, I'm like, you better address this. You better communicate and be really clear. So that's what being courageous is to me is really speaking your truth because I've seen more people get sick with thyroid issues and cancers from not from being unhappy or experiencing trauma that they never healed. So to me, that is like very, very healing. 
Thank you. And the final one is, of course, your book. But in addition to your book, do you have a book recommendation that um, you would share with our listeners? And it can be really on any topic, just something that's meant something to you. Yes. Can I share a couple? Yeah, of course. Okay. First of all, you've got to read the book, Estrogen Matters. Um, It's incredible. Absolutely incredible and life-changing. Um, of course, I love Outrageous Openness by Tosha Silver. I don't know if either of you have read that. It's really about bringing in the divine and partnering with the divine to let your life unfold in all sorts of magical ways. And then um, Daring Greatly by Brene Brown is also like one of my top 10 bedside table reads. Thank you so much. And thank you for sharing all your wisdom with us today. If anybody wants to find you, follow you, buy your book, where can they do that? So hop on over to Instagram at Gorgeous Esther. I'm there many, if not most days a week. And also come join me at estherblum.com. Get on my priority mailing list. You will get, you know, first glimpse at offers and specials. And I publish information there that I do not even publish online. So make sure you get on my list to get educated and empowered around your hormones and health. Thank you, Esther. Thanks for being with us today. Thank you, ladies. It was so great meeting you. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Courageous Wellness. Tune in every Wednesday for a new episode featuring a different guest each week. Subscribe, rate, and write us a nice review. And you can also follow us on Instagram at Courageous Wellness or get in touch via our website, www.courageouswellness.net, where you can also find additional info about our health coaching services, virtual group events, newsletter, and more. Until next week, I'm Allie. And I'm Erica, and we're Courageous Wellness.